Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning. And you're with the double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? Oh, I'm thankful for sleep. Okay. I'm just so thankful for sleep. Are, are you feeling like you need to participate oh, like, right now? I'm... I'm like thankful for sleep because, well, I didn't get much last night. I had a super late night. I had stuff going on. I was like, I was driving home last night and I was like, I'm so tired. I'm like going to crash and die. So I like pulled over to the side of the road, slept for like half an hour. I had a bit of a nap. This is at like 11 o'clock at night. Whereabouts were you traveling from? I was coming back from, so I work in Raymond Terrace mm-hmm. and we just had some stuff going up on there. Just, just. And some, you couldn't make it from Raymond Terrace to Warners Bay? Yeah, it was like a 45 minute drive. I was like, and I was nodding off, which is. I am nah, super like, impressed. I am super impressed because most people on a 45 minute drive, they think, well, I'm going to be home soon. And so they try and push through it. And most people who die from fatigue die close to home. I know that that was my, I was you know driving down the Newcastle Link Road. I'm like, oh, I can make it, I can make it, and then I'm like, no, I can't. I need to go to sleep, and so <laughs> I did, and then I made it home safely. And yes, yeah, so I'm all good. Thus, you are here this morning. Yeah, I'm yeah living my best life. You know, just, how many, how many hours great. did you manage last night? Oh, so as soon as I got home, I think I got home at eleven. I just like got in bed and crashed until you know five forty-five this morning when my alarm went off. No, for, sorry, five thirty. So so yeah. Um, that many hours, like six and a half. Wow. So, but which isn't a lot, but it was, uh, it was definitely just good to get home and be safe. That's what I'm really thankful for, just being safe. What are you thankful for, Lyle? I'm thankful for uh, being able to go out with friends. Oh, nice. So, I did that twice yesterday. Oh, there and you go. I'm thankful for trivia nights. We had a trivia night. Um, I have some trivia questions for you from the trivia night. I'm oh. going to test you out um, okay. later on. This is a reminder, you're listening to the Delayed Broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Okay, name six countries bordering Libya. Uh, um, is one of them Jordan? No. Oh, okay. Wrong part of the world. Wait, Libya? Think North Africa, not uh, Middle East. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking North Africa. Jordan is not in North Africa. Jordan is in the Middle East. <sighs> um, okay, well, failed already. There you go. <laughs> this is the BYU's Men Choir.
chetu tunachoi jaji utusamehe makuta yetu hey kumana setona kwaseme wale yotokase usututi katika majaribu lakini titokoe na yule Welcome back, everybody. That was the men's chorus. Bayou men's chorus. The BYU. BYU men's chorus. Um, what, one of Mon's favourite songs. Good, good to have something there for uh, a little bit of a tribute to Mon this morning in music. Um, yeah. Who knows? Hopefully she'll be back next year. All right. Are you ready for a quiz? Yes. Here we go. What am I? Arauna, ar, Arauna, that, that's A-R-A-U-N-A-H, Arauna. So spell it again. A-R-A-U-N-A-H. A-R-A-U-N-A-H. A-H. Yep, yep. Arauna sold this to David so that David could use it to burn a sacrifice. He sold... This thing to David so that David could use it to burn a sacrifice. Yes, it was. And just keep going with the thing <laughs> while I write this down. Anyways, hey, um, we, uh, yeah, this is, of course, our quiz for today. So give us a call, 1-800-324-843, if you know what exactly this is. And right now, because Lyle doesn't know it, um, Lyle has no idea what he's talking about. Lyle is just completely... Completely, like he's just off the planet right now. Um, of of the correct answer, that means double prizes are up for grabs. So if you know who Arauna is and what he sold to David, so that he could commit a, he could do a burnt sacrifice, well then give us a call one eight hundred three two four eight four three, and you will get a prize completely for free. Okay, give us a uh, give us a um, positively different news this morning. Positively Lawson. different news. Well, I have some news stories about some young people around our world just doing absolutely incredible, wild, gnarly, hectic things that are very impressive for their age. Well, the first one I've got to talk about um, is a, ca- a, a child. His name is Laurent Simmons. He's he's a nine-year-old kid who has just completed his bachelor's in electrical engineering at the Idahoan University of Technology, and he is about to go into his PhD study. There you go. As a nine-year-old. There you go. Yeah. Humans are amazing. I, I'm like, I. You know, you see something like this, and, and it's a reminder. Sorry, I butted in there. Yeah, but it it is a reminder that there was a time in the past when this would have been normal for humans. Mm. Um, people say that we evolve and evolution improves the human race. There's no evidence for that. Uh, the evidence actually goes the other direction, and that is that we are actually uh, dumbing down, we're becoming weaker. Um, we keep ourselves alive longer because of technology and information that we that is available to us. But the simple reality is that human beings are actually breaking down, as is our world. Mm. Our world is breaking down. Our world is 
growing old, the Bible says, like a worn out piece of clothing. You can see that taking place. And when you see something like this happen, it's kind of like a, a flashback. Yeah. It's a flashback as to where we should have been, you know? We, mm. we should have been doing our PhDs at nine, nine years old. <laughs> like nine years old, I was squashing ants in the backyard yeah. with a hammer. Uh, <laughs> at nine years old, I was like crashing into trees on my push bike. Like, yeah, that's right. Like, <laughs> kid's doing a PhD. <laughs> like, yeah, it's absolutely wild. So this, uh, this kid, uh, Laurent um, Simons, he is from Belgium. And yeah, he was just born with incredible comprehension and understanding. He has an an amazing ability to learn things extremely quickly to the point where not only is he at university, which is null, and he's just completed, you know, his bachelor's in electrical engineering, but his lecturers just describe him as extraordinary. They're like, we have never met someone who is able to comprehend and learn things so quickly. Yeah, so we could be looking at another uh, Einstein, Newton. Exactly. and, uh, And possibly here. For him, like it, it's it's really cool that he's he's made a focus in his life. He's like, oh yes, I, you know, I want to be a benefit to society, and he is um he is studying his you know PhD for the purpose of he wants to, um you know get to the point where he wants to create and make prosthetic limbs, like you know oh, art cool. of well not prosthetic limbs, sorry, artificial organs and prosthetic oh. limbs, like these kinds of these kinds prosthetic of organs, prosthetic organs. Um, you know, yeah, just things which electrical engineering would very much help in, you know, think about, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, artificial heart or artificial lungs or liver or whatever, you know. That would certainly uh, save being on a waiting list for a very, very long time. Yeah. Just plonk it in there and away you go. I wonder whether, I wonder whether with an artificial heart, like one made out of plastic, whether the body would reject it in the same way that it rejects a donor heart. Mm. Wonder whether you could get away with less medication with an artificial one. Then it'd be interesting. I know they've tried this before and failed, but mm. um, it'd be interesting to see what this kid can come up with. Yeah, so he's just he's just going hard. Um, you know, obviously they they're interviewing his parents because it's kind of blown up as a story. Like, oh, hey, there's a kid and he's just finished his bachelor's and he's studying a PhD and he's nine and he's nine years old. And his mum joked and said, "I ate a lot of fish during pregnancy." You know, which is uh, people call that a brain food, a developmental food. Um, so. So, so yeah, this is just just gnarly, and obviously, like we were just saying before, like the things that okay, they're so doing at night. <laughs> what what are you? What what do his parents do? What are their what are their jobs? Are they like highly educated people themselves? No, not necessarily. They they just they're just holding down regular jobs. They're just kind of doing their thing, regular. You know, they just un- have this kid. They just have this kid who's just off the planet smart. Amazing. That's just Fantastic. insane. And as you were saying, yeah, this gives us a real look back into a world without sin and the ability that people would have had to um, develop. Of course, you know, then the, the argument comes up. It's like, oh, but, but we have so much technology now, so therefore we're smarter. And it's like, oh, that's actually super not true. We have the ability of, you know, standing on the forethought of... You know the generation that's right. that have come before us. We have us. access to information rather than having information. Yeah, exactly. So, so we're in a we're in a good place right now. But yeah, this is just wild. Another young kid who's doing amazing things in our world is um, uh, a kid, a ten year old kid. So just a little bit older than uh, Laurent, a uh, ten year old kid named Ryan Hickman um, from the states. And what he is doing, he has like he's just keen for climate change as a lot of young people are these days you know we're seeing a huge huge rallying around this um this idea of climate change um you know not idea but people taking 
steps and and I guess um, yeah, really uh, shouting out and representing climate change. And and this kid Ryan Hickman, essentially, he um he, he basically his thing is recycling. He's like recycling is so important. It's something that we need to do. Oh yeah, obviously because waste is a huge problem in our world. Um, He's like, yeah, recycling is a huge problem. Um, so therefore, he has created a standardized labeling system, right? For for you know for 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 trash, which is something that we have in Australia. We have you know your 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 red bin, your yellow bin, your green yeah, 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 bin, yeah, yeah. and when you go to um, when you go to um, for example, this the the the. Uh, What's it called? A mall or a big, you know, shopping center? I think of. Uh, yep, you have your multiple bins where you, yeah, you, you separate you all the stuff bins. out. Well, that in Australia it's standardized, but in the states it's not. In a, in a lot of places anyway. Oh, really? In the states it's not a standardized thing, and so that means there's a lot of contamination. So, in other words, this kid has come to Australia and said we should do this in America. Yeah, he's he's just like, Look, kid. and this is the thing. Like I was realizing yesterday, Find a wow, that works. Copy it. Australia is leading the world in a lot of things, which is interesting as being, you know, that we're so small as a nation. But uh, yeah, so he's essentially created a standardized system of labeling, which he then took to the, you know, to Capitol Hill, to the, um, you know, to to the politicians there, and he presented it, and they have now just passed a bill um, that has made Ryan's standardized system a nationally required thing basically um so yeah they're basically yeah this is um again in an effort to combat recycling contamination which is a huge thing that happens especially not having any standardized systems and makes it you know puts it on the people to um you know take steps to do that and if you're not recycling conscious um it'd be very easy just to chuck everything in one bin and then you know you're not really helping anyone at that point but yeah now that they've they've rolled this out as a standardized thing with labeling and different types of bins um yeah they're expecting you know uh 50 to 70 percent um increase in recycling reduction in in contamination and whatnot so yeah i was just reading these two stories this morning i was just thinking about the crazy things that kids are doing around our world well not crazy but amazing things amazing things human beings are amazing human beings are amazing I think that we should strive. I think it's inspiring. It's like I, you could read this and go, oh, man, these kids are doing this. And you can nearly compare yourself to them and be like, wow, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, life? that's right. <laughs> Long way from getting a PhD. Um, but we should we should be inspired to, to go out just seeing that, oh, hey, people around our world are doing amazing things for the good of others. Man, we should go and do the same. And speaking of recycling, they've just developed a system in Australia for turning plastic into oil. So there you go. We have yep. even more motivation to recycle. Right now, this is Lauren Daigle with How Can It Be? You're listening to Faith FM.
Bye, guys. That was Lauren Daigle with How Can It Be? You listen to Faith FM. We're about to have another clue for our quiz, so get ready to, ready to give us a call on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843 if you know the answer to this one. Had a uh, couple of attempts so far. All have failed to this point. Let's see how we go with the second clue. Okay, what am I? The fast God has chosen is to untie the cords of this and then break it. Which is a co- quote from Isaiah 58, by the way. What on earth? <laughs> the fast God has chosen is to untie the cords of this and then break it. Okay. <gasps> oh, I might be on it. 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 He's he's totally not. He, he 
totally is. So you just answered the quiz correctly. <laughs> I got there. So I give got us there. a call, 1-800-324-843. No double prizes up for grabs today, but um, uh, there will be... Oh, I'll tell you what, they nearly got the double prizes if, oh. they, they get, if they're answering it. They are getting very close. Oh, too like, bad. Too so close. Bad. Okay. Seconds away. La, what is happening in our, in our current news? What is happening around the world? Okay, so the ABC uh, have done a survey, as the ABC do on occasions. Classic. Um, in relationship to um, uh, the understanding of gender amongst Australians. Um, so this is um, yeah, yeah. Inter- interesting, wow, okay. interesting sign of the times. Mm-hmm. Um, 45% um, a gr- of Australians, it seems, according to this research, uh, agree that there are multiple genders. Uh, with 53% disagreeing, um, which is interesting. If you split that up between um, men and women, um, you have 28% of women who um, disagree that there are, that there is, sorry, 28% of women who disagree that there are multiple genders and 47% of men. So that's probably one of the biggest splits. Mm. Men definitely go with one gender. Uh, sorry, with with the two genders and women with the multiple ones. Um, interesting when you break it up um, by political preference of those who disagree with multiple genders. Labor, 18%. Greens, 8%. That was probably pretty predictable. Uh, LNP, Liberal National Party, 56%. One Nation, 81% disagree with multiple genders. Wow. And uh, other... People who don't vote or vote for, uh, you know, independents, minor parties, etc. Thirty-eight percent splitting it up via religion. Forty-two percent of Roman Catholics disagree that there are multiple genders, compared to fifty-four percent of Protestants who disagree that there are multiple gender, you know, lots mm. of genders other than the, the two standard ones. With uh, non-religious people coming in at twenty-seven percent, um, splitting it up by age bracket, which I found interesting. So I'll give you two age brackets here, 25 to 39 mm-hmm. and 65 to 74. Uh-huh. Which one has the highest disagreement that there are uh, more than two genders? Because you're asking me the question, I know that yeah. this is kind of baiting ah, me, but yeah. I'm, I'm just going to say... Okay, so in the 25 to 39 age bracket, yeah, 37% of people um, say that there are... Uh, 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 disagree that there are um, multiple genders as compared to 36% in the older age bracket. So the younger age bracket is actually, yeah, Yeah. that that was very, very surprising to me. What about amongst my age bracket, you know, the 18 to 30? Yeah, I, I, uh, much higher percentage there or a significantly higher percentage there. Mm. Um, But, you know, um, I don't have that. Uh, in front of me right now. I just wrote this one down because it was probably the most interesting mm, one. The 25, 25 to 39%. Um, 25 to 39 age bracket. Age bracket has, uh, yeah, a higher percentage of people who disagree with there being more than two genders mm-hmm. than the 65 to 74 age bracket. Mm. Well, man, that is... So, yeah, it's interesting to look at Australians, to look at the demographics, to see how our nation has changed over the last 10 years, Mm. um, to wonder where we will be in the future. Is there coming a time 
when treatment will simply not be available for people who are struggling with uh, gender dysphoria and so forth because rather than providing treatment, we just provide acceptance. Mm. And I think that would be a tragedy. Mm. Um, when When your emotional gender is different from your physical gender, that's not how it's supposed to be. Yeah. And so that's you know this is somebody who's who's struggling with a mental illness, and um, and really needs our help and our caring, our compassion, rather than just our acceptance. Mm. I don't see that acceptance is the solution here. Um, it has been shown over and over again that you know it is not a solution. It does not lower the suicide rate, and yet we have an ideology that is you know driving the discussion rather than science. And we need to come back to science on this. Mm. Science tells us that this is not the you know acceptance is not the solution. We need to have treatment, mm. and uh, you know I feel terribly for people who are suffering with these kinds of uh, issues. There are a lot of you know issues that people struggle with emotionally, and we need to give them all of the help and support that we can. Hundred percent, yeah. Anyway, that was interesting. Let me share with you something else that is interesting. Moving further away from Australia, let's go to Titan. Ever been to Titan? No, I've never been to Titan. It's um, kind of a long way away. Yeah, it's it's a bit up the road. <laughs> so this is one of uh, Saturn's moons, mm-hmm. uh, for those who might be wondering. And for the first time ever, they have produced a complete geological map of the surface of Titan. Okay. Which is kind of interesting. It has vast plains. Uh, about 70% of it is made up of large dunes. Um, mm. It has lakes and seas. Uh, made up of methane. Oh, okay. And this was the thing that jumped out at me. The dunes are made up of organic material. Now, as soon as you say organic material, Uh you think life. Yes, exactly, yeah. Yeah, not necessarily life, but an organic compound is something that contains carbon, which is necessary for life. Mm -hmm. So these, uh, these large dunes... Um, making about 70% of the surface of uh, Titan, um, have carbon-containing material that can decay. So it's material that that can decay. Mm -hmm. So that raises a whole bunch of questions, you know, particularly for evolutionists. The first thing that goes through my mind is if you've got material on Titan that is decaying, what does that say about the origin of Titan and its age? Mm. You know? How long has it been decaying for yes. and when does it stop decaying? You know, how many billions of years can something decay for? Uh, this is all information that comes from NASA's Cassini spacecraft, um, which was uh, researching Saturn between 2004 and 2017. And, of course, Titan has a diameter of 5,150 kilometers compared to our Earth's diameter of 7,926. So, yeah, it's a bit smaller than our Earth. But it's kind of, I guess, in the grand scheme of things, somewhat comparable. The other thing that is comparable is that Titan has a lot of water on it. Yeah. Of course, the water is below the crust. The crust is uh, frozen. And, uh, you know, there's heat from the core, obviously, keeping the water liquid underneath. And the question that they're asking is how much of the carbon material is leaching down through into the water that is underneath. And, of course, are we going to find life down there? Mm. Uh, because that carbon can provide the nutrients that are necessary for life. It'd be pretty wild if they did. I just looked up um, the temperature on Titan because it's... A f- oh, okay, surface temperature? Yeah, surface temperature. It's a little brisk, I would think. Yeah, yeah. minus uh, 179. 
okay. um, Celsius, okay. Definitely which is pretty pretty cold. It receives one percent of the sunlight that the Earth does. <laughs> so that's full on. Yeah, it's it's okay, but it has heavy cold. rainfall. Titan has heavy heavy rainfall. So is it just ice coming from the sky? No, it's methane and ethane. Ah, oh, true. There you go. <laughs> yeah, which on Earth, of course, are in a gas form. Up there, it comes in a rain form. Okay. Um, and but you know, here on Earth, we have bacteria that survive on acetylene and water. So there, you've got you know methane and water. Um, with you know, and the thing that goes through my mind is this. Okay, if you look at this from an evolutionary perspective, the chances of life existing are so far beyond the chances of reality, the positive, mm. the, 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 the uh, chances of reality that it's not, it's not even worth considering, and yet we look for life in other places. If we do find life there, we will find what I believe is the true existence in the universe, that life is actually very common in our universe. Mm. Anyway, let's go on with uh, Josh White with He Is Able. is able to keep us from stumbling he is able when distances come between everything that we hold dear he is able to draw us into deeper life he is able to cut away like a knife Everything that keeps us from Him Everything that keeps us from Him Love he is able to keep us when the dark descends on everything we have known. He is able to save us to the uttermost. He is able to fill us with his Holy Ghost. May everything we do show him. Everything we do show him Savior and King Nothing to give 
but the life you've begun. May your spirit fill our souls to sing. He is able. Welcome back, everybody. That was Josh White with He Is Able here on Faith FM. And uh, Lawson, you got another clue for the quiz there? Yes, I do. Here we go. What am I? Peter rebuked those of the circumcision for placing this upon Gentile believers when they themselves could not bear it. Okay, so what am I? If you know the answer, our number is one 843 or you can text us on 0491-064-669. Well, joining us on the phone this morning is Laurel Raytheel. Uh Laurel, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. Now, I should just uh, give a bit of background to our listeners. We've got a new family that has uh, joined us here in North New South Wales, and uh, Laurel's husband is, uh, yeah, kind of one of our bosses here. Um, but we wanted to get to know the whole family because you've got a story of your own to tell, Laurel. So, yeah, just wondering whether you can share a little bit of your journey with us this morning. Uh, Where does your journey start? Well, I'm a Queensland girl. I'm country Queensland. Grew up in in the Kingaroy area Um, and uh, grew up in the South Queensland campground. That's, you know, South Queensland um, junior camps and that at Maranatha. Some of your listeners may recognise those places. Um, and I have many fond memories back in back in those um, those parts of the woods years ago. Fantastic! Now, Kingaroy, that's uh, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. That's more of an agricultural area, is that right? It Were is. You- it is. Yeah, my dad is one of ten children. Um, he didn't stay on the farm, but we lived in a country town out there called Wandai of about thirteen hundred people. So a small country town. Yeah. Nice. And the family farm. What was that? Oh, they grew dairy, um, dairy cattle and crops. Yep, yep. And my dad ended up having a an agricultural business in town for International Harvester Farm Equipment. But we used to go and and milk the cows and that for for the uncles and aunties when they needed breaks over the over the years. Ah, there you go. So you know a little bit about dairying then. Do and know how to milk a cow. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> uh, and if your dad was working for International Harvester, then I guess you'd know a few things about tractors as well. He does, and he sold a sold a lot of them in the day when when the um the crops were were you know booming and um, the economy was great. But he's been retired now for a few years, well, quite a few years, in fact. Sure. Now you mentioned spending spending some time at a uh, campground, a Christian campground that was uh, what down in Brisbane, there somewhere. Yeah, just north of Brisbane at um, Yamundi called yeah um, Maranatha. And um, that that was the South Queensland Conference Youth Camp at that time. It's sold now. I don't know who bought it, but um, you know, did junior teen camps there, youth camps as well. It was it was a great place to to spend some time. How did you end up living there? How did we end up living where? Oh, you you were at the um, Maranatha. Um, oh no no no! Just went there for summer camps. Oh, just went there for summer camps. The okay, yeah 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 yeah. When yeah, they for weren't sure. called summer camps, it was always junior camp, teen camp, youth camp, 
Easter yep. camp, you know, all those camps, yep. Yeah, and this is one of the great things of being part of a church, isn't it? You have all of this stuff, mm. all of this stuff that is available for uh, for young people. Um, I think it's just fantastic. So for any of our listeners who are out there that um, you know don't have access to that, hey, head along to a church somewhere because these are the kind of things that suddenly become available, and you know your kids get to be part of a whole community that uh, I guess in your case spread out right across uh, South Queensland. Definitely. And the interesting thing is that my dad wasn't an Adventist. He was from Lutheran background. My mum um, became baptised, you know, not long after they got married. And um, I've always, my dad is now baptised um, into the Adventist church. But I'm just always grateful that when we said, Dad, can we go to junior camp? We hear about this. It sounds like a really good thing. He always encouraged us to be involved in the various camping activities that um, were involved, you know, offered by the church and pathfinders and that sort of stuff and and just a really good lot of programs to be part of. Yeah, because a, um, a marriage that is divided over religion, you know, can be challenging at times, but it sounds like your family worked out a way to, uh, to really make it work then. Yeah, um, I remember we would have worship of a morning. Mum, um, when we went to big camp at um, South Queensland Camp there, she was able to get hold of those morning devotional books and we would sit at the breakfast table and, and just share this. And Dad Dad was always accepting of that. He could see the positive influence that this was having on his family. And, um, yeah, just always encouraged us to be part of those sorts of things. That's fantastic. Now, what about yourself personally, um, at what point did you give your life to God? I remember growing up in the Kingaroy Church and we, as as teens, we all just, you know, did the, the, the Bible studies that everybody does. And it was um, just a journey of faith through there and getting involved in the church. The, the, um, the, the elders and everybody in that church were, it made sure they included all of us in every aspect of the church. So we were from an early age, you know, um, taking up the offering or telling the mission news in Sabbath school or saying the prayer or, you know, doing those sorts of things. And so, you know, as you went through your teen years and you did the Bible studies, it was just a natural progression for us to become baptised. But I have to say that it wasn't until probably about 20 years later that I had my own personal conversion story with God where I took took that relationship from just being head knowledge into heart knowledge and really developing my own personal relationship with God. That was just such a beautiful transition for me. Was there something that... Uh that sort of sparked that, um, that, that, that change at that particular point? Yeah, I, I guess that I'm, I came across someone who was telling me their story. And I thought, you know, I actually don't really have a story because I grew up in the faith, you know, and um, just was around people of faith all the time. But as I listened to them share their story, I said to God, I said, you know, I know you're there. I, I have no doubt about that. But I actually want to experience you for myself. Let's go on a journey together. And it and I and I remember saying to God quite clearly, I know you're there, but I just need to see evidence of that. And God started this this little I don't know, I call it a game, but it's not really a game, where every day he would just bless me with a butterfly. And nice. I and I, you know, butterflies are there, but you don't often see them. But 
I would notice a butterfly in some shape, size, form every single day. It might have even been, it might have been a physical butterfly. It may have been a, a sticker on somebody's car. It could have been um, a post, part of a poster on a shop window. I clearly remember one being graffitied onto the back of a sign heading into Byron Bay. But every time I saw a butterfly, it, it caused me to say, God, you are there. And even though I don't necessarily see you, you are there in my life and you're a beautiful, gentle influence in my life. And even now, all these years later, I, I'm just mindful that God is there. And I, I love the fact that he never forces his way. He's just there as a good presence um, for me. And do you still get that reminder every time you see a butterfly? Oh, every single time, Lyle. Um, I, it never, ever goes unmissed. And, and anybody in my immediate family is not surprised when I go, there's a butterfly. <laughs> you know, when initially, initially when, when I would say that, they'd kind of look at me and, and wonder what I was talking about. But now they just go, yeah, she's, she's aware of God again in that situation. So, yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful reminder. It is, and it's great to hear how God, you know, reaches out to people in all kinds of different ways, and yeah. uh, and gives them that reminder that, that that he's there and looking out for them. I, I interviewed a guy one time who, um, whenever he's feeling down, he would find money, like five cent piece coins on wow, the ground yeah. and this kind of thing, and 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 he and, and he collected a whole book of it and just <laughs> sticky taped them into a book, what? and they were, and every every single one of them was a testimony. Ah, uh, that's true. And I think the thing that that I've learnt from this journey with God too, with the butterflies, is it's something that I've been able to share with all sorts of people and different journeys in their life. And it's not that, you know, that mind-blowing big thing that some people have. It's just there in the natural. And can I just say where I'm sitting now, I'm looking out a window and a butterfly has just flown, um, flown <laughs> past. And I'm just sitting here going, God, you are so good. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. That's Amen. just awesome. Um, Laurel, um, you have uh, served God in many different ways. Um, where has your life taken you in, in, in service since you gave your life to him? Um, well, I'm married to a minister, so we've made, been to, we live and have lived in many different places. Um, I, I guess, you know, I've just had the opportunity to step up when I've seen a need wherever we have been. I, I'm reflecting on the most immediate, um, thing that's occurred for us. We have been living in, um, in Sydney for a few years and attending the Castle Hill Church. And I just saw a need there to start a, a ladies Bible study group. Um, and it was just started, you know, in my home with just a, a couple of different ladies, probably four or five at the time. And we committed to just meeting for four consecutive Tuesday nights in the middle of a school term. And um, we knew that everybody's time is busy, everybody is precious, but we wanted to come together and we were going to meet these four consecutive Tuesday nights and whoever turned up, turned up. And from a group of four or five, that group is now to 15 and the group is still going and the, it has moved out of my home into somebody else's home, a lady who wanted to be there but couldn't get childcare on a Tuesday night. And that bond that has grown between that group of ladies is amazing. And um, and we've got ladies now attending from the Hills at Venice College um, who are non-churched mums, um, but it's just a safe place for people to come together and 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 learn about God and, and grow our faith together. It's really very special. That's fantastic. Now, you're obviously in the – you're somewhere, somewhere between um, – I guess Newcastle and Sydney at the moment is that uh, is that right? Have you have you managed to 
fully settled up here with the uh, change of location? Yeah, we're in the process of still transitioning. I current I have been working for Avondale um, College on the Kurenbong campus, so um, I've been doing that for several months now and staying away during the week. And um, Avondale is just such a, an amazing, god ordained place, and it's such a privilege to work here on this campus. And we've just finished the examination period last week, and um, yeah, working towards graduation in a couple of weeks. We're still Adrian and I are still to find a place to live up this way. Um, God has blessed us last week with the sale of our house in in Sydney. So yeah, we're we're in that state of transition. Yeah, and um, with you know obviously following Adrian around, you know, our husband who is a clergyman, you know that that involves a lot of change mm. at various times. I understand that this time around it was a little bit the other way that um, that he actually <laughs> followed you rather than you following him. Is that is that what he, happened there? Is that tell yeah, us about that story? He he laughs about that. I've worked for Avondale for seven years managing our Sydney campus at the School of Nursing and um, had the opportunity to, to transition to this role earlier in the year. And so we talked about it and prayed about it. And he had a, a job in Sydney and we agreed, you know, that it worked well for us to stay located down there and, and I would make the journey up here. And um, and then he got the um, the call to his position and he, we just laughed. And and he said, you know, this is the first time in our married life where he's actually had to follow me. So <laughs> it, it's been a unique journey this time. Do you find it challenging being married to a minister um, when, you know, a minister gets called that you just sort of don't get a choice in the matter? You know, this is God's calling. And so you've got to leave whatever job that you're in at the time and, and move on. Challenging, yeah, is a good way to describe that. And and I've walked away from many very, very good jobs every time we've had to move. And and some of them I can't rationalise. I, I clearly remember one of them. I had literally just got a promotion that morning and that night a call came through. And um, we always pray about our calls and, and um, sit on them for a few days and everything. But the, the, the conviction for both of us was very clear that, that we would take this call. And I still can't understand why God would lead me to a job, to a promotion, um, and then have that slip through my fingers. But I do know, looking back now, that it was a stepping stone to something different along the way. And I just see that each move is an opportunity. It's unsettling, without a doubt, but uh, it is nice this time for me to have a job ahead of, ahead of um, our, our couple move. So, yeah, it's it's a challenging time and I do always think and pray of the wives whenever um, moves are put on their family. Sure. When uh, when a call comes through for your husband, who's, who's a pastor, mm. um, to move to another location, how do you as a family deal with that? Do you see that as a call on the whole family or is mm. it that the family follows the call of, uh, of you know, your, your, your husband who's a pastor? Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a really good question. When we entered ministry, we determined at that time that we would pray about it together as a couple and then go away and pray about it individually for 24 hours or so and, um, and then come back and, and share the journey that we had been on in that time. And every time we have come back with a, um, with the United an answer, basically. And I, I remember the time that um, we were asked to go and serve out in Fiji in the South Pacific Union mission. And I did not want to go. I had two young kids, um, you know, toddlers. And I just thought, and I had no family around me or anything. And I had beautiful neighbours that God had blessed us with who were a great support to us. And I just 
fought that call, really did. But when when we came back together, I just said to Adrian, well, I think we've got to go. And he looked at me and he had this huge relief on his face, this look of relief, and he said, oh, he said, I feel the same way. And he thought, and he said, I thought you were going to have to say the opposite way. So, you know, we, we really trust that call on our heart. Um, and when we had older children, we would um, – to include them as part of that journey but never part of the original call as well because uh, we believed that as young children that they couldn't understand the, um, yeah, just that journey that we had to go on as a couple. And wherever we've lived, we've made sure we've made that home. Mm. So when we've taken the kids, then this is our new home and we, we really establish ourselves there. Laurel, it's been fantastic having you on the show this morning and sharing your journey of faith with us. And we wish you all the best as you join us here in the uh, Newcastle region. That was uh, uh, Laurel Raytheel here on Faith FM.
Hey, I'm Matt from Warrigal Seventh-day Adventist Youth. We meet every Saturday morning at 10am for an open discussion about Bible topics concerning our youth today. We're open to everyone wanting to join us, and we'd love to see you there. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Oh 